would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. And we are recording another episode of Zoomcron Week in Review. I'm your host, Travis William Skink Matier, and sitting in with me is Allie. Hi. Hello, Allie. We have a, uh, a another long week to review. It's a late Friday night. It's June 9th. I consulted my phone to make sure I knew what day it was. It's a Friday. I think I already said that. It is. And it's a prideful month of June. I think I said that it's June, but do you know how much pride exists in June? I don't. There, there's lots of pride, and it's colorful, and it's everywhere. Hmm. But we're not going to talk about that, necessarily. We're going to talk about some arts awards. Okay. Did you know our former mayor is being honored by having a permanent award dedicated to him? I did read that. You read that article. That's good. So Arts Missoula, they have their 2023 Arts Awards. I wrote stuff about it. Yeah. I write stuff about local things, and I do so in a way in which I think I make a lot of people not all that happy with me. Yeah. And the arts community, the thing I get a little sort of frustrated about, it's called narrative control. And the arts being relevant, that's a question that Engen answered by having Arts Missoula give out like awards and stuff. And so the quote from the article, Engen used to say when I'd meet with him, and this is Tom Benson speaking, Tom, it's very simple. We need to make sure the arts stay relevant, Benson said. And that's pretty obvious. <clears throat> that's pretty obvious to all of us in this room, but it's not necessarily relevant to those outside of the room, said Engen. Do you think the arts in Missoula are relevant? Yes. How so? How are they not? I I mean I think I think Missoula is a creative hub and that's central to the fabric of this town. It's true. We have a, a University of Montana creative writing program. Yeah, of which you are the product. I am a product of that program. Undergrad, they said no to me when I applied to be a master's. All right. But Sean Staples is also a product of that program. Yes, as are many other people. But, but how many people get multiple felonies by starting fires and putting socks in vents with the hope of killing someone with carbon monoxide poisoning? I think that is a smaller number. Yeah, it is a smaller number, but I did get Sean's book in the mail. And so in a, in a small way, I'm contributing to his bail bond fund. 
because it costs $20 on Amazon. Wow, that's kind of pricey. I'm embarrassed a little bit that I have this book, but it, it, I got even more embarrassed when I read the back. Should I read the back for people? I think you should. Okay. For context. So by the author, Sean Staples, who was raised in Butte, Montana, this book is a collection of short stories that Sean has recently compiled. Some of the stories are set right in Butte and the surrounding towns. Okay. (laughs) Uh, This is bad. Um, Vision is a horror book, a comedy, and kind of a romance all at once. There is action. There are drugs. There is drinking. There is manifestation. There is the spiritual world. There are hackers. There is sci-fi. And there's a whole lot of nonsense. That is the book, though. And in some ways, these stories really aren't all that far off from reality. (laughs) I will continue. What can you do when you find yourself in a world like this? Well, the main character in these stories somehow always seems to find themselves in quite the situation. They always continue to move on and find a way. Wow. I'm not done. Some of these stories are only the beginning of longer works that are to come. In the future, some of your favorite characters you will see will continue to come back, whether it's an explosion at a gas tank or a dog named Simon. There's more to come with them all. A dog named Simon? Yeah, that's who he can talk to in jail, in his, in his cell, when he's by himself. Kind of like Son of Sam had a dog he talked to. Okay. Most importantly, though, this book shows that if you continue to keep your eyes on betterness in life. That does not say that. <laughs> it does not. There will be success down the road. I actually want to see that. I okay, look at that. the end, and it says betterness. So Where? University of Montana, you, you need yeah. to do better with this with this student. And well, if there is a jail diversion program, maybe he can maybe he can get involved. I don't even know what to say. So the arts in re- being relevant in Missoula, it's something that, that John Angen, our former mayor, was invested in. He's no longer with us. His you know life lives on in other ways. But um, in this post, I have some pictures and some other books because there are a lot of people that are drawn to Missoula for whatever reasons. Sometimes they have homes and sometimes they don't. One of the things we're going to be talking about this evening is urban camping because that topic yeah. is persisting. I don't think you know Was... about the press conference today. No, I don't. What press conference? Our mayor, uh, not Engen, because Engen's dead. Mayor Hess, who's alive, I think. I think he's alive. But he was speaking. We when? Ha- we have a state of emergency. Do you not know this, Allie? When, did, when was the press conference? Today. What time? This afternoon. Were you there? I was not. I had heard about it because NBC Montana reported that it was happening, and then I what? promptly forgot about it. I think I was kept pretty busy today by <laughs> what time was by other conference? events. Yeah, it's been quite quite an eventful day. But but the press conference was enacted so that our mayor could say, "Hey, emergency!" And do you know what that means? Mills. Emergency mills. It's a it, so for people that aren't involved in the nuanced thinking of municipal financial mechanisms like uh, bonds and mills and levies, tax increment financing, that kind of stuff. Um, there are now emergency mills that have been activated because of this declaration of emergency. And that happened today. What do you mean? I guess when you say I'm dropping stuff, mills have been activated. What do you mean? 
Well, this will be a um, part of the post. So when, when the conversation goes out on Sunday, this will be that there will be things they can read. The readers, okay, the audience, the listeners can start reading. It's late on a Friday. What I want to say though is we are in an emergency. So is this in relation to Monday's ordinance? Yes. And let me just actually look at what we'll be posting on Sunday. So I'm a little bit hard on SHP because SHP, that stands for Susan Hay Patrick. SHP decides she's not a big fan of the ordinance. And I'm going to read some of this so you can get a sense of how much fun we're going to be having. Okay. The ordinance came after complaints of increased houseless people in city parks following the closure of the Johnson Street Winter Shelter in April 10th, 2023. Other shelters in Missoula have had or have little availability, forcing those staying at Johnson Street to flock to parks. Quote, this closure of the winter shelter really has demonstrated that there is a need post-COVID for a year-round emergency shelter, says United Way of Missoula County CEO Susan Haypatrick. Haypatrick recognizes that camping, oh, this is a little bit later in the article, Haypatrick recognizes that camping in city parks can pose an issue, <laughs> citing the damage to the environment and possible health issues for those staying in tents. Still, this ordinance is not the solution in her mind. Quote, Moving people is not the answer to the problem, just like ignoring homelessness does not solve homelessness, she says. So I think it's a big dilemma for our community right now, and that's why we need year-round shelter. And I think the majority of council members understand that, and I want our community to understand it. United Way, along with eight other organizations, including the Missoula YWCA and Hope Rescue Mission, have sponsored a public letter urging the city council to allocate funding for a year-round emergency shelter. Hey, Patrick says this will likely be in the same building as a Johnson Street shelter. So what's happening is declaration of emergency. Right. Mills have been activated. $500,000 is going to be generated from just 10 bucks for each property owner. And the Johnson Street shelter is going to rise like a phoenix, like a methed-out, trash-filled phoenix. From the ashes? Trashy ashes. And... The Johnson Street Shelter will be up and going. Resurrected? Yeah. Totally. Year-round. But the Johnson Street Shelter is not that large. It's not, but it will potentially be enough bed space to say, hey, campers in these uh, parks, no longer will you be camping in these parks. Is that the solution for the next couple months? It sounds like a Band-Aid. Mm. That it, it is. It's a Band-Aid. And no to your question. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to to see how this kind of plays out now that the five hundred thousand dollars is being is being generated from a different article. Actually, it might be later in the same one. Um, the city of Missoula on Friday declared an emergency surrounding homelessness and its lack of shelter space, enabling it to levy two emergency mills to help fund year-round shelter at the Johnson Street Shelter. Officials estimate the extra mills would generate around five hundred thousand and cost the average homeowner about ten dollars in all. Allie, who is the average homeowner? Well, I was just thinking one step prior to that. How would you divine a mill to the listener who's like me? I, I think of a millstone, then you hang it around your neck, and right? you like are, you sink in a lake, and then you drown. Mm. Is that maybe? But as it pertains to taxes, I don't know. I would talk to Jesse Ramos. Oh, okay. So it's a mill. Um, 
and then your question is who is the average homeowner or tax Yeah, the average homeowner. In Missoula? I mean, it, I think of a average number is probably what they're going for. But when they say average homeowner, I'm just wondering, are we talking about the the Seattle, San Francisco transplants? They're not average. They're bringing up the average. Right. So, so if you're talking about Missoula residents who have, I guess, I, how long does it take to become a citizen of Missoula? I don't know, but I was listening to a podcast that I'm not going to distract myself with talking too much about, but we have some problems, and we have problems with immigration, and we have problems, if you can see right with this picture, with Joe Biden not being able to walk across the stage without falling down. Yes. We have lots of big problems in this country. So, in your question, though, was relating back to who's the average homeowner. Yes, don't give too much thought to it, because it's not something that can be really easily defined. They're going for a number. Excuse me. Um, I'm just more thinking there is really no average person that they can they can stand in for the Missoula person experiencing what Missoula is in June of 2023. The averages are, are gone. Right. That's that's just my opinion. So how many different conversations on urban camping are we having? Did you know we actually need to talk about the Monday city council meeting? During this little week in review? Yeah, I can't believe that happened this week. That was a long time ago. That was Monday. Yeah. It went until midnight. It did. Do you think Daniel Carlino feels slightly bad that he kept everyone there until midnight this time? No. He's standing by principles, but what the heck were we even talking about on Monday night? Because I made three public comments. I'm not sure if I even know what came out of my mouth. There is I'm video not tape, sure though. anyone knew. Uh, uh, by the end of it, I think there, there were some serious questions about what was going on. So ultimately, what happened is to become compliant with the Ninth Circuit Court decision, the ordinance had to say it's not totally illegal to camp in, on public lands. Correct, but, then but it, you it, just can't camp in parks overnight. But then it strengthened in some ways the power of Donna Gockler, head of Parks and Rec, to enforce the no nighttime camping <clears throat> and the other language that was already associated with 12.40 in municipal code, which was no public nuisance, um, no starting arson fires, uh, yes, no lots of other things, bad things. But part of part of what the conversation seems to be is around the perception of what's happening and what is actually going to be done with enacting things. So there's the abstract rule changes, and then there's the question of what's actually going to play out. And right. then there's the picture of Armando's place under the walking bridge. That That's really detailed. is gross. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? I do. It's disgusting. And it's part of the video footage I took because I think it's hard to have this conversation without actually seeing what some of these campers are generating. And it's pretty atrocious. Yeah. Is it something that we should just say it's like the victim? And I mean, the, the, <clears throat> this conversation in a lot of ways is pretty fascinating. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because ah, it's hard to, it's hard to articulate my thoughts really at this point. Um, there's just a lot of different people sort of moving around in terms of what they're help me out here, Allie. What's going on? So for the you're talking about the 
ordinance that was discussed at city council on Monday night pertaining to urban camping. I'm talking about the virtue signaling commenters that are thinking that city council is criminalizing homelessness. And then I'm talking, I'm thinking about, you know, myself who's like right. feeling bad for first responders and cops so, and parks and rec staff. It's just weird. Here's my take on it. So the ninth circuit decision, Martin V Boise effectively said, you can't criminalize homelessness. The if if you don't have shelter beds available, you can't penalize people who live in tents or on the streets because that is a violation right. of the and Eighth Amendment, week, which we is this cruel week. and unusual punishment. Yes, and like excessive fines. Right. Right. And so there's that. And so a lot of the public commenters who opposed this ordinance were saying you're basically still criminalizing homelessness because you haven't created the commensurate commensurate how do you spell <laughs> like, I don't know you have you don't have enough shelter beds anyway so you're just shifting people from one place to another and so that argument is well taken. I, I understand what people are saying because they haven't, without the bigger policy issues of creating the shelters, you effectively are doing something. However, on the opposing side, it has been a rule that people really shouldn't be in parks at night anyway. And so it's not something new per se they're saying that they can have greater enforcement because kids in parks, a lot of kids will be at McCormick park for summer camps and they're trying to make those places safe places for all people, not just some people, but all people. And if, if somebody is tripping on meth or causing a serious danger because of their behavior, not because of who they are, or the situation they find themselves in, but because of their behavior, it's creating a danger for someone else. That's what they're hoping to regulate, which also makes sense. So from my perspective, both sides do make sense. <clears throat> so why are they arguing so much if they both make sense? Because I think on some levels, they're talking past each other. I do believe that some of the people who were um, in vocal opposition to the ordinance were ticked off that this is an issue that's not a surprise. It should have been dealt with months ago, or at least anticipated months ago. How could city council have known? How could they have anticipated? There's not. It's not like there's someone that's been making public comment warning them <clears throat> that things were developing like this going back month after month. Oh, wait. Well, they already talked about it in November when the crisis mill levy failed. And so, so they knew. well, and so here we, here we go. Like, as we kind of go around in circles, we are back to a quote from Monday night, which is something that Jordan Hess may regret saying, because the quote is, our long-term plan failed at the ballot box last year. So I didn't realize the $5 million mill levy was, was their long-term plan. Right. <clears throat> because actually the service providers know that $5 million is not enough for what's needed. Right. And it, the, the whole thing is just is absolutely maddening. The, the Johnson Street Shelter Solution um, will have two now year-round emergency shelters. The Pavarello Center is the main one, and the Johnson Street Shelter will be the other one. And yeah. so 
we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, how quickly, I think, will Tent City that's on Broadway, right by the Pavarilla Center, how, how quickly will that be dealt with? I don't anticipate that being quickly dealt with. I do have another thought before it eludes me. And that is because one of the comments I heard from city council members on Monday that I vehemently disagreed with was these are bigger picture issues. These are longer term issues. And yes, housing is a longer term issue. It's a bigger issue. That doesn't mean it should be backburnered. It means it should be prioritized. And so for all the people who said, yeah, we'll kick the can down the road, even on this ordinance, and we'll deal with it later. Yes, I understand what you're saying, but gosh, even 10 months ago, that's something we, we knew ARPA funds would expire. That was not a surprise. W regardless of the crisis mill levy or not, we knew that was coming down the pike. We do have an issue. I'm thankful that it's been declared an emergency by our mayor. I think that's important. I think it's true. And now, in light of that emergency, I look forward to the proactive actions to address that emergency. <laughs> um, they're going to wait for Biden's administration to give them federal money. They're going to scapegoat the state for not giving them enough state money. And then... They're going to go, hey, we got these mills. They're emergency mills. Isn't that cool? I still honestly would welcome any feedback because I'm not asking this, being facetious. <clears throat> I charge anyone who knows the answer to this question. Please let me know why housing and this particular issue targeting urban camping why has that not been a greater part of the budget priorities like i really want to know the answer to that question uh, why can we trinity spend so there the the hope is that the navigation center and the trinity apartments and supportive housing and permanent housing with support services and whatever it is all that is the hope. And so eventually they will get to the Trinity apartment complex being finished. The navigation center will be rocking out. Uh, it's going to be able to have people under the influence potentially drying out. I mean, who knows? They got plans, man. Paul gets us though. He's got a mustache and we should, we should move on mm -hmm. to this next post. It's about adorable young progressive organizers and they're coming to Missoula to miss the point of what's happening here. Oh, that's a long way to travel. You know, they came from Michigan. They came from Wisconsin. They came to see Paul Getzos and his mustache. Um, and really, they, they came to uh, learn how to tell the pores how to speak well or something. That's kind of what this organizing is about, right? You go in, you're like, hey, pores, this is how to talk. And the no, pores are like... I thought it was more about door knocking campaigns. Hmm. Well, let's look at the article. So, uh, Chris Marion was tearful and her earrings jiggled as the Wisconsin agriculture organizer discussed the impact of the small town summit Monday afternoon in Missoula. Where did this article come from again? I read it, but I'm just from 
Where's uh, that I think it's Brett Servins, from... the reporter, yeah. uh, I think on this one, for the Missoulian. The event, hosted by the United Today, Stronger Tomorrow, conglomerate of organizations, brought together more than 250 small-town activists <clears throat> over three days in downtown Missoula with a focus on progressive policy issues in rural locales. The summit offered workshops like Getting Men Out of the Problematic Pipeline and Attacks on Queer People on Our Turf. In Our Turf. Hmm. I'm not sure where they're on the turf. So the summit was the first UTSD organized. The summit was the first UTSD organized. Okay. And the leaders selected Missoula for its regional accessibility in the Mountain West. The idea was to guide organizers forward in their work and shift narratives around small rural places. Then I said in my response, I don't need my narrative shifted. Thank you very much. Well, they weren't trying to shift your narrative. Oh, good. They, because hands off my narrative, UTSD. My understanding is they're trying to train people on how better to communicate their message, right? I think so. Um, can you train the people around the pub to not stab each other? Because mm. <laughs> there's been lots of stabbing attacks. And one of the things I kind of moved into... Um, here's, here's UTSD vision. That's cool. Uh, currently we're working in the plains. Let's see, including Montana and the Intermountain West, um, across all of our projects, communities share concerns about government accountability and transparency. Yes, we do. The workforce crisis in the face of historic job creation. Wait, how could there be a workforce crisis in the face of historic job creation? That's fucking weird. Wait. Affordable housing, health care, K-12 education, and family supports like child care and elder care. Specific to the plans or issues connected to manufacturing, agriculture, ranching, and farming. Specific to the Intermountain West are issues related to clean air and water. Sustainability as a result of population growth. And transition from a fossil fuel economy to clean energy and drought. That's a gobbledygook bunch of bullshit. Hmm. So, um, also, I think the this is the angle. It's taken me a little bit to get my brain working. But part of my annoyance is these outsiders come into our town. This one is just, they're, they're doing a training, so it's not as obnoxious. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> the, I, the idea is hyper-localism is important because when your ambitions, especially politically are for higher office, then your current job <clears throat> is just a springboard for that higher office. I use, as an example, Steve Bullock and the Coyote Club. Right? Uh, yes. So if Steve Bullock wants to be governor, which he wanted to be governor, he did become governor, wanted to be president, ran for president, didn't quite make it. But Stevie, you know, good old Stevie wanted to be governor. And so... Do you get to be governor if you piss off Lake County by talking about the Coyote Club and then, like, prosecuting the law for crimes they commit? No. The world may never know. Right. So um, I had a nice little quote, the selection from uh, Matthew Frank from the, the Independent, which is no longer around. That was a nice refresher on a past story from Lake County. And then there's the picture of this man, Austin Knudsen. Look at, look at how he's holding his hands. Isn't that nice? <clears throat> so Austin, he's been in Missoula today. And what I'm going to be writing about for next week are Republicans 
and how they don't always get along with each other. <laughs> That's true of any party for sure. Mm. But right now it's kind of important for the Republicans to get their shit together if they want to have any kind of influence that their actual numbers suggest that they have. <clears throat> they got the numbers, right? They are a powerful party in Montana. In this state, yeah. In the state. What do they have to show for the legislative session? I suppose it depends on who you ask. Uh, Some tax rebates, right? Tax rebates with the multi-billion dollar surplus. They would say also there is no debt, debt-free in 2023. They would say there were... I mean, there were bills passed that uh, protected, and this is part of the, I believe, the Montana GOP platform protected the right to life. They would say there were bills bolstering law enforcement and mental health. These are things that I have heard said. Um, cool. It yeah, sounds so like. They, I mean, it sounds in, like that. Some business was was and lowered taxes on things. Yeah, so I mean, overall, I, uh, e economically, I would say the Republicans or the state would say that they've done right by this state and by the taxpayers on just on that front specifically. Well, and one of the things tape. that can be said for Missoula is that we create our own Missoula problems. And so the rest of the state doesn't have much incentive to take us all that seriously in terms of right. what is happening here. Why don't I have a part of the Republican Party in Missoula that I can take seriously? I'm sort of thinking of, uh, let's see, Von Dean Kaputsky. Kaputsky? Kagoowaitsky? So at some point, um, the interesting fighting really needs to just get resolved. Show the documents, show the minutes when you've been selected as whatever county chair, head person, um, because there, there are some serious things going on and we should be able to discuss them. But I think the, the Missoula Republicans have some some work ahead of them they do and there is a convention this weekend and they are hashing some of those issues out and should probably know saturday what some of those uh new chair people will be and all of that and you know so long as i've been involved in politics there's always been division that is just one of the but you don't know Hallmarks about of <clears throat> politics. You I don't suppose. know about uh, how things can go down in fiction land and HBO land. Like with a with a character like Little Fingers. I don't because you don't watch Game of Thrones. I definitely don't. It can be gut. It can, it can be cutthroat. Yeah. What I decided to do, I didn't know I was going to buy a Game of Thrones figurine, but I knew I wanted to support Secret Seconds. Yeah. So I went in there and I purchased Littlefinger. Oh. That's the, the figure that I took a picture of by the yeah. Zoom Town sign. And I did that because it is a very difficult thing to have to work, apparently, at Secret Seconds. Yeah, it sounds they're, like it. They're shoveling poop. It's awful. 
Um, we will take a quick break, though. Not because I have to poop. But because you gave me the T <laughs> sign. And that means time out. Is it, is it painful? What? The, the, the late night podcasting we're doing, is it, is it a bit challenging? Uh, is it painful? It's not painful. Good. Okay. We'll take a quick break and then assess our ability to continue because it is late. Yeah. Okay. And we are back through the technology of time travel. It's not actually time travel, Allie. It's just that I hit pause on a Friday evening because of the fatigue factor. And now hitting play again, it's magically Saturday evening. So yep. it's, it's not time travel. It's just taking a break and then coming back on a Saturday and things can happen. Even just in that short period of time, I attended a memorial. Um, Allie, you and I discussed what we should talk about with the Republican convention. Uh, I do have a post pretty much written up for Monday but that post would not have been able to be written if it wasn't for your dogged persistence to attend. Yes. Okay, I want you to not smile because if you smile, you might give a hint of your enjoyment over what that persistence entails. And, but that we're not talking about that. There's so many things, unfortunately, that the listeners are not going to hear right now. Yeah. Because there's just a lot to talk about before we get to even that kind of stuff. There's a lot behind the scenes at Disneyland that no one wants to see. Whoa, that is true. That is so true. Um, and and I do mean that in every single way. There, there are a lot of ways that you can take that. But the reason why we are coming back on is because we did not finish the job. And the job is, although we're not getting direct payments... The job is to review the week's headlines generated at ZoomCron, and we did not finish what we started with even the hilarity of this puff piece is impressive, even for the Missoula Current. I started talking about Littlefingers and Game of Thrones. I think that's where it just got kind of off the tracks at the end last evening. Yeah. Because the piece, the puff piece, is an interesting article I want to draw some attention to about the Clark Fork Inn. The Clark Fork Inn was purchased by the Pavarello Center in order to house their Housing Montana Heroes program for veterans. So the veterans program used to be inside the Pavarello Center. The Pavarello Center became such an unmanageable um, environment with a lot of the challenges they had with uh, harm reduction approaches. One, one winter, you know, they tried to allow people to, to use substances. And so it wasn't all that great in a congregate setting. Stay focused, Allie. Stay focused. It wasn't all that great in a congregate setting for veterans to receive services. And then the VA, they went and they shifted up stuff. Not only did they say congregate stuff, not all that great. We're not going to fund congregate shelter. So SRO type housing, that's single residency occupancy, the Clark Fork Inn then, in order to preserve the, the veteran VA funding for the Pavarillo Center, was purchased. But now, amidst nothing that can be done for urban camping except uh, an emergency in the mill levies we talked about previously, they were saying, well, we can't really do, you know, where's the money? All of a sudden, they're expanding this, this homeless project. This veteran, of course, is for veterans, so it's a lot sexier to sell. But let's go to the article, shall we? Yes. This is from the Missoula Current. This is the excerpt I have at the blog. 
An old West Broadway motel once eyed for renovation to provide transitional housing for homeless veterans in Missoula will be removed and replaced with a new facility, county officials said this week. The Pavarilla Center in 2021 purchased the Clark Fork Inn using $1 million provided by the Department of Veterans Affairs. The city and county of Missoula each contributed $835,000 of American Rescue Plan Act funding as well to help the Pavarilla secure the property and cover renovations. But while the original plan envisioned rehabilitation, the project's architect determined that new construction was the better and more cost-effective solution question isn't that usually determined in advance well it's really cool when you're playing with other people's money how you can just kind of like change horses in the middle of the race is that what happened with the higgins street bridge who knows or bear tracks bridge but yeah use the proper Sorry. terminology um it's it's hard to say what actually goes on behind the scenes with any specific project but one of the things that this article clued me into is that Heidi West is not just a city council person. She is a county planner. Did you know that? Not before this article. Well, I'm glad to help inform you and the listening audience. So let's continue the article. Why do you feel like that matters? Hmm. Many hats being worn can cause confusion for the hat wearer. And I think if someone is going to get confused by hat wearing, it's going to be Heidi West. So let's go back to the article. It was deemed more economical to take down the L-shaped building and construct 16 new units that would also better accommodate residents, said county planner Heidi West. Now, we have to remind listeners that this is a person that wants a coffee shop in an empty elevator hey, shaft. I think that was an innovative idea. I'm not Holy saying I crap. Su- I'm okay. Not- You're trying to trigger me now I'm, to get me distracted. I'm back to the su- article. <laughs> and quoting county planner Heidi West. I don't West. support that. For the record. Okay, back to the article. So that will allow room for a community kitchen, laundry, and other shared facilities. So cool. It's more economical, in Heidi's estimation, as county planner, um, to tear down the shit and then to build 16 new things. Okay? We'll continue. But in fairness, mm-hmm. the Sleepy Inn. The demolition, n- right? nothing fair about the Sleepy Inn. Yeah. It also added cost in the middle of it. Well... It- some things do need to be raised to be raised again, right? Yes, some things do need to be destroyed in order to build back better. It's true. Well, what I was, in a very practical way, saying, is that not what happened with the Sleepy Inn? Mm-hmm. With your and my's money. With ours money. I'm using new Say pronouns. That again. I'm using new, new pronouns for grammar. money. Grammar. I can't speak Miscalculation. straight. But what, what I, I need I'm, to finish this quote yeah. before the questions, okay? This is going to be awesome. Just just you wait. It's going to be worth it, okay? The change in plans adds an estimated $2 million to the project's initial $4.7 million cost. But the county in 2022 applied for and was awarded a $600,000 community development block grant, which will help cover the remainder when local ARPA con- contributions are included, West said. Does, do, do those numbers make sense to you at all? If you're adding two million, but I you're only getting like, six hundred thousand, I feel like it's a negative. Are, it's not. We're seeing some red numbers, right? Some red commie numbers, possibly. <laughs> I I don't see how much it defrays the cost. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the article. So this will help eliminate the stressors for veterans who may need mental health support or who suffer from traumatic stress. City Grants Administrator Tracy Pondorf told the Missoula Current last year. Last year, 
the more the more elevates the Pavarillo's ability to help veterans thrive and heal as they transition from homelessness the to stable. The elevates. move. I can't even read it. The move elevates the Pavarillo's ability to help veterans thrive and heal as they transition from homelessness to stable housing. So, okay. A couple Which things Which is a here. great project. You would think. In theory, yeah. The problem is that neighborhood, this, this Clark Fork Inn is a block away from the main Pavarillo Center. So right. as we know, that entire neighborhood is suffering from the stressors of unchecked drug abuse drug dealing uh, and other criminal behavior associated with addiction. So do you think it's far enough um, in order for them to actually be able to heal and thrive? Real question. That, at, was, that, that was a real question. At me. what point I will answer your question with another question. At what point will these areas be considered blighted? Ooh, tiff funny, tiff money. We I'm serious. Bring about in all, that. yeah, I'm, problem, reaction, solution. Well, no, I'm I'm very serious about that because at what I, I'm thinking in terms of Tent City, by the Pavarello Center, right in mm -hmm. the white of the former white of UCA. Yep, I took a picture of that right there. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. And so, sincerely, at what point are those areas considered blighted? I don't know. Um, when you get a one stabbing a day ratio. Are we close? Yeah, we are. So what does that mean? I mean, in theory, what does that mean? It means mean? we should get some more stabbings and then more TIF money can flow like a river of to blood. To be used for what? To stop the river of blood. <laughs> it's a serious question. You add it, pressure to the wound to stop the river of blood. I found it, this out recently with my finger. Um, oh, you still have your Band-Aid? I do. And so speaking of Band-Aids, um, we're going to go on to the next post now. Wait, but that was a serious question. So I hope that gets shelved and revisited. It is a serious question, and point. so is whether or not the symbolism of King Charles points to him being uh, the the satanic antichrist. Okay, can we just wrap up the last post conversation? I guess real before quick? we get to the antichrist and a cup yes. of tea. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, final thoughts on the last post conversation about final the thoughts Clark is even a program that sounds good for veterans can probably somehow be screwed up by our elected leaders and nonprofit influencers. I guarantee fucking to it. Well, here's the thing. Veterans need housing. True. That's just the reality. Yes. So I want them to succeed in the kind of housing that will steer towards success. For sure. Um, an SRO type setup, I think is better getting the program outside of the Pavarello center. So having it on yeah. the third floor, not good enough. This is slightly better. And Eventually, all of the meth heads will die of drug addiction and fentanyl, and so maybe it will be less chaotic, and everything will be sunshine and flowers again. Veterans need housing. I'm yep. thankful the city's working on it. I think a lot more of our budget, and since fiscal year is coming up, July here, a lot more of our budget could probably be allocated toward helping those. Are we like paying the pensions of Ukrainian the nurses? Situations. Okay, we're going to move on. We are going to talk about Ukrainian nurses someday, though. So the next post is truly about the Antichrist. Why, why Don't look at me like that with your eyes. Look at the screen and the Antichrist. 
So that symbolism, the crown, all of this coronation of King Charles, the queen, going back, they think um, they go back to like really Israeli days, like old, old school, old school is what I'm saying. I actually was talking to this Irish bookseller today about this really interesting conversation, but taxes and crowns and zoom towns. Oh my, this is the first of a couple posts that will be written about June tax time. The assessment yes. that is hitting 37% kind of general increase in property values. So people are going to be freaking the F out at and I, the end of the month, at the end of the month. And I do want to draw some attention to some like truly hilarious, joyous, quotes because Josh Slotnick, your favorite county commissioner, Ali, Josh Slotnick, he now has an ability with the state to use the state as a, as a scapegoat. I'm only saying about your fave because of the poetry. I know how much you're no, a fan of poetry. I, I, don't, I, don't worry. Our audience can pick up on sarcasm. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm, she is shaking her head I'm and putting her head in her hands. Speechless. I, I, yeah, we, we haven't even gotten to the quotes yet. The fun is yet to begin. So um, after you get past the England crown stuff and a definition of a zoom town stuff, I want to get down here because I kind of buried the lead on this. All right. Check this out. Don't panic was the KGVO headline. Don't panic. Um, if we this is this is this is Slotnik. Are you ready? This is no. not this is not a poem. Okay. I could read it like a poem. Don't. If we were to take the same number of mills Please we don't. did last year and multiply, multiply it times the home value of this year, we would go way beyond the mill cap that the state has set. It's an impossibility, said Slotnick. The state says there's a mill cap, meaning you can only levy a certain number of mills. If we did the same number of mills last year times the home value of this year, it would crush the mill cap. It would be illegal and it couldn't be done. So the mill cap barrier is like this truly uh, hermetically sealed barrier that Josh Slotnick has looked at and assessed with all of his skills as a farmer and poet. It can't be done. <laughs> okay. That was, that was fun. That was, that was truly, truly fun. Um, but uh, seriously, getting back to that article, the KGVO Don't Panic article, before Slotnick did that ridiculous, ridiculous performance, we had this from our more adult-like Tyler Gurnett. Are you ready for this one? This is a little bit better from the article. Yes. This year, you'll be getting a reappraisal notice that will go out at the end of this month, began Gurnett. Okay, so far, so good. He's stating a pretty commonly understood fact. Yes. Okay. On that reappraisal notice, you'll see two very important numbers. One of those numbers is probably pretty exciting, and the other one may not be as exciting. That is the champion of the understatement. Yes, he is doing a, an amazing job, but unfortunately, he still has to deliver painful news. Yes. The first number is your market value. That's going to be listed. The other number is your estimated taxes, and your estimated taxes are based off of last year's mills levied by all local government taxing jurisdictions. He's lost me already. And that number will probably be pretty scary this year. Okay, That's accurate. Now he's got That's me back. Accurate. He's talking about scary numbers, and I'm paying mm. attention again. There's a very specific reason for that, because residential market values in Missoula County have gone up 
by an average of 37% over the last two years. So I want to talk about 37%. I want to talk about mill cap barriers. And then I also want to just quickly mention all of that doesn't apply to the many weird districts like the parks and rec district, the street fixed district. Those don't have caps. And so Tyler Gurnett at a Packeter meeting acknowledged that even though it seems like there might be caps in certain places, there's right. other places where like when you squish a balloon and it like the pressure has to like squeeze out the balloon somewhere, you know, like a squishy thing and you're squeezing the squishy thing and, and it kind of pops out. That's a terrible metaphor. That was a terrible metaphor. But something is popping out and that's, that's the districts. It's like a, it's like a tumor thing that you squeeze. Stop. And it, <laughs> I, it makes sense to me. Um, but Tyler Gurnett and Josh Slotnick and anyone involved in this sort of explain the tax pain, they're not going to be able to really explain away the pain. Because at the end of the day, if you don't pay this shit, you get evicted and you're, yeah. you're, at, you're in tent city with the rest of the people. Um, you're, you're talking to, to Clayton. You're um, saying, hey, that 50 pounds of bacon yeah, that's rotting. He, I was just going to say, hopefully he's not making you bacon. Exactly. Um, hopefully he found some refrigeration methods because our mayor did reference 50 pounds of rotting bacon and maggots at the Russell yeah. Street camp. By the river. That's calling into question Clayton's chefing skills. We're not going to be talking about that, though. We are talking about taxation and the scariness that is to come. So we will be talking more about that because June still pretty fresh. Yeah. Okay. So more to come it's on as, that one. It's as fresh as Wyoming milk. I just saw the <laughs> My milk was expiring in, in, on June 8th in Montana, but June 10th in Wyoming, which made me really, really well, the, wonder about that. The expiration that. date on selling sex under the soul massage moniker has also expired. Good. That should never have happened anyway. Was that a good segue, though? No, not really. The expiration date has come for these two people. Um, the really kind of not pleasant looking white guy and his Asian counterpart. Expiration date sounds like they're dead. Well, so here's the thing. I took a picture of soul massage. And if you go to zoomcron.com, that's C-H-R-O-N with an N as in Nancy. You can go to the June 9th post and that's selling sex in Zoomtown. And you can see a picture of soul massage. You can also see a picture of some sheds. Well, yeah. Hollywood sheds sells sheds. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? Ozarks. Mm, possibly. That that was some good episodes. Was where, that a real pop culture reference? Yeah, where they use these fake businesses For, and there's money laundering. The boats and yeah. yeah. Well, when I think of sheds, I think of housing. And I think of the fact that Soul tiny Massage housing? is a it's a tiny little building and apparently there was people living inside that that building providing massage services that went beyond what is um, commercially appropriate. For that zoning. So these are the traffickers. We have the KGVO article. Once again, they do all of the felony reporting in Missoula County. Couple charged with human trafficking in Missoula is the title. How um, many people were implicated with them? Uh, you know, that's a that's a good question. I don't know. But when I contacted Hollywood Sheds, since they share the same address... They were not all that excited to get me in touch with the landlord. They actually hmm. said, we're just in the business of selling sheds. And they left it at that. 
But if you go to the article, I could speculate as to who the landlord may be, but I will leave that for you know. A I actually was like looking. Conversation. I, I was looking on Mon Montana Cadastral and doing some other investigative work on my phone. I'm pretty sure the, that information got obscured; is no longer um, publicly available. So probably it, it not. It changed in the midst of me looking into that. But let's get to the article really quick. On May 29, 2023, dun, 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 Missoula County Sheriff's Office deputies dun, 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 responded to a 911 call at the Soul Massage business located at 5000 Highway 93 South. The reporting party, Jane Doe, was contacted at the scene. As she spoke only Mandarin, she was transported to Community Medical Center for translation services. According to court documents, deputies observed a superficial laceration to the ring finger of her right hand. At community, at community Medical Center, a deputy used a translation service to get a statement from Jane Doe. Jane Doe said she came to Missoula on April 26, 2023. She found a female in a WeChat application that was offering a dog-friendly place to live for only $20 per day. Jeez. Jane Doe identified the female as 52-year-old Yambin Bao and said that Bao also went by the name of Amy. Jane Doe stated that 64-year-old Richard Bushy was Bao's husband. Bow and Bushy. Wow. Wow for Bow and Bushy. It. It's as a poet, I cannot ignore the fact that that has some sort of like musical value. A detective confirmed that WeChat is a Chinese social networking application. I'm surprised the detective was able to confirm that. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Confirmation. Cool. That's good. Um, it's a Chinese social networking application. Yep. That traffickers use to recruit potential victims with promises of legitimate work, housing, or other services. So further on, Jane Doe provides a statement. Bao offered to let Jane Doe live in the Soul Massage location in return for working there and paying Bao $20 per day. Once at Soul Massage, Jane Doe said she was pressured into performing sexual acts on paying customers. Jane Doe explained that Bao has also controlled her by using surveillance cameras in the business. Using the cameras, Bao was able to see what services were being provided to clients and what they were doing. Um, that also could provide an additional live streaming service for online right. revenue. Jane Doe told deputies that there were two other Asian women working at Soul Massage during the time she had been there, and they regularly engaged in sexual intercourse with customers. According to court documents, she estimated that 7 to 11 men were serviced each day. <laughs> I love these bold headlines that KGVL uses now. Deputies investigate soul massage. Deputies observed the conditions in soul massage and found what looked like a sleeping area. It had a small twin bed in a space that appeared to be used for cooking and eating. Dirty dishes and pots with food inside were visible. <clears throat> in one room, deputies observed a makeshift closet with clothes and several suitcases. A small television was present. Deputies also noticed a security camera on the wall. The conditions inside the business were unsanitary with dirty linens and floors. Uh, this is where it's interesting because we have a detective referenced, but not named. An anonymous detective. I know. Very curious. Who could this anonymous detective be? It will take a detective to figure out who, who the detective who the is. Detective would be. Yeah. Mm. A detective who is known to be an expert in human trafficking, known to be an expert, confirmed that victims of human trafficking in illegal brothels or commercial sex locations are often required to live on premises. Well, no shit. By keeping victims on premises, human traffickers are able to exercise control over the victims and can force them to work at all hours of the day or night. Wow. That's an amazing piece of insight from this 
anonymous detective. Jane Doe said that Bao had locked her in rooms at the massage parlor before and had been hit and attacked by Bao for refusing to engage in sexual intercourse with clients. Pursuant to a search warrant, Soul Massage was searched by deputies. Deputies found a stash of hidden condoms near the front door. In the trash, one used condom was found along with numerous sticky wads of Kleenex or tissues and baby wipes that were consistent with cleaning up bodily fluids after sex acts. They sound like experts, don't they? The surveillance camera inside the business was capable of remote control and one of the doors in the business appeared to be capable of being locked from the outside. The detective also confirmed that surveillance cameras are often used by human traffickers to monitor the number of clients, the types of sex acts conducted to confirm the amounts of money being collected, and can also be used to extort victims by documenting their illegal sex acts. They left out the additional revenue stream. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The detective said in the Chinese culture especially, the social stigma surrounding illegal sex work could result in irreparable harm to the reputation of the victim and their entire family. Okay, well, the article continues, but we certainly don't have to uh, continue. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what? The bail amount for both Bao and Bushy was set at $1 million. Yeah, they want to communicate to the reading public of KGVO that they mean business in this one instance, in one instance only, of trafficking They're people. They're making an example of them. Yes. And I, I wonder how many people were also involved that are not mentioned. Exactly. So moving on to the last post, um, a Saturday memorial for another old timer who is no longer here. So I attended this earlier today. Uh, the picture is of Grizz and now there is some graffiti that I can get behind because it's in memory of Grizz. Um, yeah, uh, not much to say about this. I'll probably write something, post some pictures, but, um, that was the final post of the week, June 9th. We have a lot more to talk about um, down the road with Republican yeah. stuff. That is Monday's post. Honestly, I'm, I'm curious if it even gets reported in local media. I don't think it will. It might. But it's, it's news. It is news. And there were local reporters there. So oh. I would expect to see. Seaborn might be reporting. Yeah. On shakeups happening, I, drama going down. Yeah. Someone given some static for not being paid a paid registrar of the convention. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pay the $300 dues, don't you? I had no problem leaving as asked because I am an independent journalist of integrity. And when asked, I simply said, I didn't register and okay. I'm, I'm now being poked. I need to, I need to have that behind the scenes disclosure. So if I start screaming, people understand what's, what's happening. Um, but really though, we're going to have some interesting stuff coming up next week. And I actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I forgot about the, the on selling sex in Zoomtown. I, one more thing. Uh, J.D. Partain, we, we have to mention because this. Right. Um, we didn't get to the bottom of the post, actually. We kind oh. of wrapped it up a little bit too quickly. And I don't know if the Zootown Arts Community Center stuff is worth even mentioning. But um, we are back in summer. J.D. Partain was charged with an act he fully admitted to at the time. He set up a phone. He illicitly videotaped his adopted daughter taking her clothes off. So J.D. Partain did that last summer. 
Last July. Last July. He was charged with this crime in December. It was, I, I think it was December 2022. Mm, so I believe... It was cops, winterish. Cops talked to him at the end of August, and then he was finally, I believe, in November. November, December. That's when. Since the initial charge, um, we've been trying to kind of track this case to figure out a, a, a man from a church who had a boxing club that catered to 9 to 19-year-olds. How this member of our community would be potentially reported on if that happened at all, which, you know, interest seemed to drop off. And so we have supplemented the lack of reporting by showing this anecdotal example of, uh, you know, this person that's been charged and how his case gets kicked down the road time oh, and time again. There's at been a glacial pace. How many? Four or five multiple continuances that's what they're called yeah. continuances i was making sure you you use the verbiage as i lacked that in this moment that is absurd it's also in terms of time the victim teenage girl so right. i can't even imagine i mean time is different it's experienced different by by young people um in a, in a more intense way i think it'd be fair to say yeah. i myself was young and can kind of remember that so that period of time is such an, an atrocious thing when you think oh, yeah. about criminal justice, the actual act of healing from something, if we're talking about how you heal a community, it is, it is something to just be ashamed of, I think, as a community. But we will continue tracking that. Um, in, the, in the post, I mentioned that I see little clusters of views. I can tell that there are people interested in, in, in basically seeing if anyone else cares to follow a story like that. Well, you think about all of the kids who went to the boxing club right? and the closure or lack of closure they've experienced in this as well, even though perhaps they were not the direct victims, but they were certainly secondary, I believe. The next hearing is at the end of this month and we'll be setting the trial schedule and or telling the judge that they've reached a settlement. Hmm. And we will track and report. So interesting. We will, I think, be able to conclude on that note then. So stuff coming up. I see that there's comments happening on selling sex in Zoomtown. It's the TC and JC battle potentially brewing again. <laughs> Oh, anyways, thank you for listening and stay tuned. More will be coming up next week. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we have come to the end of ZoomCron Week in Review, at least for this week. And it's at this point, a tune is usually played. I haven't really practiced anything. I have a few lyrics. We'll see if they work. We'll see. some mills but they wear cap hats and the wish of commissions please don't attack we don't have the tools and that makes us sad we suffer inflation and that makes us mad so deflecting your pain is a part of the game like tossing out tea bags and changing the names so you'll assume the crown is the past and the sky is blue 
while we laugh and laugh. Oh yeah, your bill, your bill's got all kinds of mills. And you found out this week that some of those mills are emergency mills. Just $10 for your average homeowner, don't you know? Those mills, they're gonna open up the Johnson Street Shelter again. Because it's really sad when the meth dealers must live outside. Hey man, your entrepreneur meth dealer, he needs to be in the warehouse of Johnson Street. Cause it's sad when the meth dealers have to struggle so hard in the parks. There is no latrine there. So now the ordinance gives Donna Gockler the reins to take over the parks again for the children so they, so they can be safe home. The culture war is here, but if you were smart, you would abandon your fear, but easier said. Sometimes those vigilantes, they gravitate, they gravitate towards guns. That's not the solution. No, 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 no. Your bill has some mills, but they wear cap hats. And the wish of commission is please don't attack. We don't have the tools, and that makes us sad. We suffer inflation, and that makes us mad. Deflecting your pain is a part of the game, like tossing out tea bags, then changing the names. So you'll assume. Stay safe out there in Zoomtown. stay sane in Zoomtown. Tune in next week. We're going to review it. <laughs>